This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, Tank Girl, Miriam Joie. Brought to you by NTT. Hi and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joie, and today is Thursday, June 22nd, 2023, and my guest is Kazu Gomi, President and CEO of NTT Research. Hi, Kazu-san. How are you? Oh, very good. Thank you. How are you? Wonderful. I'm great. You know, we've had you on the show a couple of times before, and most recently together with Vito of NTT, and we kind of did an overview of what the ION project is all about, and I thought maybe we can dive into some more specifics. I know that you've had some huge steps forward in Japan with uh, the the all optical network that you've been developing over there with some use cases with some partners. So I wanted you to maybe kind of quickly introduce ION and then let's talk about some of the more recent work that's happened that's practically happening out there with optical networks. Okay, sounds great. Uh, Thanks for having me, Miriam, once again. Absolutely. All right. So my name is Kazu. Uh, I'm a CEO of uh, Entity Research, has been uh, introduced. So let me talk a little bit about this uh, old photonics network, which is uh, kind of like a flagship uh, product or the commercial services that we have launched as a part of this IWOM project. So old photonics network, as the name suggests, it's uh, end-to-end photonics. Some people may think that, uh, wait a minute, we have an all photonics network coming to my door uh, through that, uh, well, uh, Comcast, AT&T, everybody's- Yeah, fiber, uh, right? Yeah, fiber. So what's the difference between the two? Um, You may wonder. This all photonics network that we have just launched is that basically pure end-to-end photonics, and it doesn't require any kind of- digital packetizing in in the middle. So just the whole wavelength kind of dedicated to your communications from your end to the other end. So what that really means is that uh, basically you can sum up to the two things. One is that uh, basically the whole almost infinite uh, bandwidth uh, dedicated to you and also that uh, the super low latencies uh, from end to end. There's certainly law of physics governs for those lo- uh, latencies, but it's v- virtually no latencies be- uh, between your end. Virtually speed of light. At this it's virtually, point. yes, speed of light from uh, your end to the other end. So, yeah. yeah. I think what's actually really interesting, the key thing I'm taking away from here, and I think this is what my audience will you know, need to understand, is that until now, with electrical networks, and actually even the optical networks we have today, which are interconnected with electrical networks, you Correct. know, like quacks or, or, or twisted pair or whatever, these are all based on standards, you know, the base T standards, right? And they are all based on packetized data, right? And so Correct. obviously there are, at the time this was created, which is what, 50, 60 years ago now, this was the smart way to do it, you know, in the late 60s, early 70s, when ARPANET was born. And, you know, we had standard TCPIP, you know, it's a packet standard and it works really well, but we're getting to the limits now of what we can achieve. And more importantly, at the speeds we're going now, gigahertz and a gigabits 
speeds, we're getting some serious issues with latency and more importantly with heat, right? Power generation mm -hmm. uh, from just the heat of the semiconductors doing all this, you know, translating between layers of optical, electrical, different electrical, you know, conduits like coax or, or twisted pair, whatever it might be. So I think the key takeaway here is this network is purely optical and has its own kind of interface in terms of, you know, sending that data across the, the fiber in such a way that it reduces you know, latency even further. And more importantly, it takes away this packetization issue in the middle that's power consuming and latency inducing. Is that pretty much what you're talking about? I think you summed it uh, up very well. Yes. So almost in, uh, in finite bandwidth and then almost no latencies and with uh, without much of energy consumptions when you look at the entire big picture perspective. So how does it look like from like a topology kind of perspective do you have is it the same is it a ring is it a star are you having to where do you have to start finally translate back to packets so that the normal equipment can work yes so that does yeah at the end of the day most of course that you have to you want to connect your phones com computers and all that the gadgets that you have and everything is using a digital uh, computers uh, digital technology and with the packets and everything. So those things need to happen on your end uh, at, your, at your premise, basically, and then you're at the other end of the promise. So, so there's that the minimum, yes, that has to be involved, but the ones that uh, the information that shoot out from your device and it goes from, uh, from your end to the other end with the speed of light, basically. Right. So that's what happens. And in terms of topology, is there like multiple modes or is there a better approach like a ring or or star or what's what's the best system that you've come up with for this particular tech yeah we can do uh, multiple different ways but the current uh the service that we have uh launched is a star, star. topology basically and uh we can do a, a bit of us so here's the key you can do the switching from uh you can you can talk to you know not only just one person you can obviously everybody has to subscribe the same service but we can switch uh that uh, the destinations uh from uh based upon all the protocols that we have and that's i think kind of the key right You're, this switching now happens optically correct like this is no yes. longer done by semiconductor technology it's done by optical technology yes and that's crazy to me. Like I can't even wrap my head around how amazingly innovative that is. Yeah, so that's that's definitely the one step uh, in the detail in the key technology. What happens that the one lights going into your end, and then the, basically the same light wave coming out the other end. But it could be we we can do this uh, sort of sort of like a switching in the middle of the network, but uh, kind of, we call it color, color of light you get into the network may not be the same light coming out the other end, but you are connecting with this person and then dedicated, the, well, sort of like a web link uh, for, for this. So network. it's wavelength based, right? Are you literally yeah. using different, which is what you're calling colors? Is this visible spectrum? Are we talking infrared? Uh, typically, uh, in uh, yeah, well, if, yes. Uh, going to the nitty gritty detail, we usually use uh, infrared. Uh, okay. That, that so different wavelengths of infrared, and so you're right. basically doing a lot of what we're seeing with uh, wireless right now, where you know certain slices of 
of bandwidths are within a domain, in this case, infrared, are being used up by specific nodes, right? Basically. And so that's how you optimize it. And basically you're doing filtering, I guess, to switch, right? Like it's, it's, it's all optical. So instead of, uh, if you want one, the data to go to only this color you have to modify the the you know the wavelength and you can obviously do that optically which is really what this is all about yeah. so it's fascinating to me yeah it is uh, in many ways you're replicating so a lot of what we're doing with uh, multiplexing in the digital uh, wireless world today but you're doing it with uh, a much higher you know balance, wave yeah. speed waveform right right and you know a different domain which i think is really cool how many nodes are currently or on the star like connected to this to the star topology we are still very early stage and then uh, just a number of nodes just a less than 10 uh, okay like a I half dozen yeah, okay yeah I mean, you for, gotta start somewhere. Remember how ARPA yeah. started, right? Yeah. Like there yes. were what, three nodes or something originally. Uh, Stanford being one of them. And anyway, so tell us about the partners. I know you're working with Sony, you're working with Intel, and you know how what part are they responsible for? How is that collaboration going with them? Sure, uh, absolutely. So this uh, old photonics network is, like I said, it's a flagship of this uh, iWOM project. So. This is not the whole thing that iWON is looking for. iWON is, uh, uh, in short, of innovative op- optical and wireless network. So it uh, applies to many parts of today's ICT technologies. So in the end, we are want to use uh, optical technology much more extensively in, uh, in the servers uh, or in your computers or Actually, in the in the serv- uh, computation itself, uh, in in the future, we should be able to use the optical. So that's a kind of big visions. And uh, Intel, as you can imagine, well, they're the the largest chip makers in the yeah. world, and they are working with us for uh, creating that uh, technology called silicon photonics that we can implement the optical circuits inside of optical chips basically optical chips and gradually one by one yeah and sony well everybody knows sony i hope uh (laughs) i I think that uh there are more of uh application side that that they're helping us what 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 can we do if uh those low latencies large bandwidth and technologies available how that the, our world will be different. So applications using this network, correct? Yes. And uh, of course, that, that they're one of the strong strong plays, the gaming. So they have a very strong gaming platform. Right. And uh, so th- that's, as you can imagine, that's a usual suspect that uh, what's <laughs> that, uh, what's the application areas that they are looking at. It's a great application. I mean, gaming is yeah. obviously requires low latency, high bandwidth, and is quite popular in many parts of the world, including Japan. And more importantly, Sony is a huge player, pardon the pun, in this field. Mm-hmm. And of course, has content, right? You know, the, the whole sure, point of in uh, content distribution is obviously one of the things that networking is useful. Are you also having some business use cases right now with this network? Yes. Okay. Can mm-hmm. you speak to that at all? Any any other interesting applications being used? Yeah, sure. Uh, so business, probably one of the, the strongest business case is that uh, data center connectivities um, for that, that this uh, old photonics network. Uh, as you can imagine, that, that there is a huge bandwidth required 
within the data centers, between the data centers, and uh, this old photonics network is right. uh, really good solutions uh, for that. So we have another other partners in our I1 Global Forum, someone like Microsoft, Oracle, VMware, those, uh, those business application, business-oriented partners with us right, right. Uh, on that. And also uh, other application of this technology is that uh, how to make the server more energy efficient. And, of course, yeah, uh, yeah. And then so on. So server itself. Uh, so when it comes to that, that our partners are extending into like uh, someone like Dell are mm -hmm. uh, part of them, basically our, our team in the I1 side. So, um, so that's what's going on in, uh, again, the common theme is how to apply the optical technology more i think extensively and uh to to yeah to bring a new future uh for our world right so right now switching is kind of the main application it sounds like yeah uh, that's the first problem you try to solve a uh, routing and switching and now obviously the next problem will be to solve some to try to create some computational you know nodes that actually use optics for mm -hmm. maybe some AI or some, you know, data processing on the server side. That way you can stay in that domain, right? That's obviously a huge challenge going forward, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Right. Like what's realistically a time frame you think where we'll see the first tests on something like that? Is it hard to say or do you have an idea, right? Is it tangible at this point? I think we will start seeing some of that. So already, like I said, that the old photonics network end-to-end -end optical. We launched this uh, service in March this year. So that's already in place. So it's pretty new actually, right? It's still, yeah, it's still pretty new, like uh, two or three months uh, old at this point. And um I think the next thing we are looking for is that the new kind of server technology we call disaggregated computing. Okay. Uh, so we just connect different pieces of the servers, uh, different pieces of the server, meaning GPU, CPU, memory, storage, all those uh, good stuff. Uh, we can disaggregate out of the same box, which is right. conventional Because stuff. you have that efficiency of bandwidth latency from yes. the optical network. So right. now you can have a computer that's essentially distributed in its basic components. Yeah, right? basic components. And yeah. then kind of optimize it that uh, in terms of the resources that you allocated for, for your particular applications and whatever, what have you. Or for security so, purposes. If your storage needs to be in a vault somewhere off-site, you can still have the compute yeah, happen uh, yeah. in, a, in a more efficient data center, for example. You, you could do that. You yeah. could do that too. Got it. So, so that is certainly the next interesting project that everybody's looking at uh, from the hardware perspective. We are looking down the, well, initial... A lot of the, uh, as you can imagine, standardizations and the collaborations with the different partners required. I would say two to three years down the road that we should be starting that uh, the early part of the products being available uh, in the market. Initially for perhaps the, more like a cloud players type of thing, but uh, it's always coming from there and eventually coming down to the end user. So to get to the end user, it's going to be a little bit longer, of course, uh, perhaps of course. that uh, time frame that we had to look at. 
Fantastic. Well, this is a great way to wrap up. Thanks again, Kazu-san, for being on the podcast and telling us this awesome stuff. I'm very excited about it. Like, I really love how you explain the wavelengths. Um, this is, I think, what my audience will be able to really relate to because I think you know, optical networks, when you talk about them, it seems to be such a kind of a pipe dream. And now we have some practical explanation as to how this switching works. It's very exciting. So thanks again for being on the show. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Absolutely. And we're back with Adam Dowd. Hi, Adam. How are you? I am doing well. And yourself? Uh, pretty good. What did you think of this NTT stuff? Pretty cool, hey? Eh? You know, it was fascinating. I did not know how much I could learn from it. Well, that's awesome. We're actually here to talk about this phone that we've actually been playing with for two weeks that we have been talking about. Last week I had Narav on and we did the quote unquote podcast unboxing, which mm -hmm. was essentially a review because, you know, but today, yeah. my dear friends, Adam and I, who both have the phone, are going to be able to tell you about it. That yes. means we can actually talk about things like the camera quality and stuff like that. So yes. those of you on Patreon are probably going to see lots of video of me and Adam brandishing our devices. Brandish. Brandish. Oh, I got oh the, uh, you've got the, the magenta. I got the magenta, uh, which is baller. And I don't know, you know, I, I really don't understand how, how Moto sent Michael the blue one, unless he requested it. I'm talking about Fisher here, Mr. Right. Mobile. Because how, how, like, how do you not send the what is it? Signature the, the, color? The foldable like, guru. Yeah. A, when they send it to me, I was like, I don't do a lot of video. I really don't need that. Like, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm super happy because I love pink and purples. Right. But right. like what? So yeah, anyway, the, the magenta is so good. I mean, I got blue, which is I've got blue with uh, gaffer's tape on the back of it because it's slippery. Wait, otherwise, show me that again. <laughs> okay. This is dope. Look at that, guys. This is how yep. you when you're reviewing a phone, you don't want to do something permanent. You don't want to spend any money. That's right. First tape. And it comes off clean, which is the it best. And you know, you can stick it to your shirt and like do whatever photography you need to do and then stick it right back on. It's beautiful. I love it. If you don't have gaffer's tape in your bag, you are making a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so what are, you, what are you like overarching thoughts on this device? Like what is, you know I just want to preamble this before you dive in by saying that when I wrote my review and I gave it to my editors, they're like, how can you make this an editor's choice when you sound so negative? And I was like <laughs> taken aback by that. And I'm reread my review and I was like, wait, I'm not negative. I found a few niggles that I focused on sure. around the cover screen experience, like specifically some apps not working and stuff. That doesn't mean this is not magical and revolutionary as Apple would say. And right. they're like, oh, we didn't understand. I'm like, look at all the positive. I, I use words like awesome, incredible, outstanding. Like this, to me, I made it an editor's choice, not because it's technically the best phone. Right. Although in its own right, from an engineering perspective, I think it is technically very good. Right. I think that it's mostly because it, from a user experience, it's a game changer, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I summed up my review at the end of my review, you know, spoiler alert, um, which is, by the way, on SlashGear.com. So go check that out. I will link um, it in the show notes, folks. Yeah. At the end of my review, I summed up that, uh, you know, for, for the longest time, flip style foldables have felt like a solution in search of a problem. And I believe yeah. that in the Razer 2023, Motorola has may have actually found that problem and solved it. I think Moto kind of nailed it. Because they made two phones. 
Mm-hmm. This phone doesn't solve all the problems. It solves right. one kind of user's problem. I think the more more uh, like power user problem that mm-hmm. wants a fashionable, compact. Basically, if you want a small phone flagship like iPhone Mini, like Sony Compact back in the day, you're going to use this phone today. This is the the power compact flagship because it gives you that form factor of compactness with the front screen and then you can even have that second it's like two phones in one Mm -hmm. but it's not two phones in one like a fold book style right which is much more cumbersome to use so then they address the other side of the coin which is there are people who don't give a crap about the front screen all they want is essentially a smartwatch experience up there or even less than that. Just notifications, just, you know, call coming in. This is not you and me. And that's why they made yeah. two phones at two right. price points. That is genius. And I think Samsung should learn from that. Absolutely. I hope Absolutely. that they do. Anyway. Yeah. I'm, so we've seen some rumors of the upcoming Flip 5. I mean, obviously we haven't yeah. seen the phone itself. And it looks like the cover screen is going to be larger, but I believe that Motorola will hold on to the title of the largest cover screen on a flip style foldable because I don't think Samsung's is going to be as large. But what I'm dying to know and what I think what I think everyone is dying to know is how useful is that cover screen going to be is Samsung going to make you shoehorn in their apps and experiences or is are they going to go take the Motorola approach and say you've got 167 apps on this baby go to it go to town have some fun (laughs) well you're checking out one of the boxes in our list of items because there is rumors that Google Maps is going to be making it to the cover screen on the Z Flip 5. And to me, this means this means it's not just one app. Like, it would be stupid to just have one app up there, right? So I think what's going to happen is we're going to see a partnership of a bundled groups of apps from Samsung themselves mm-hmm. and from Google themselves that aren't any app like on the on the razor there are apps that are being tweaked and optimized to run well on the cover display because their cover display is supposedly slightly smaller too right so right here's the thing i think that's not the solution and i think that's why what moto's been doing here is the solution it's like you it's universal access right like yeah and so so to me this is the game changer on this phone and this is what i try to explain in my review i'm like the software is awesome because it's moto and I didn't even, like, I only wrote one paragraph on that. My, my editor was like, well, what is so awesome about something? I'm like, it's a moto. I don't have to explain this. I've reviewed right. so many motos on, the, on, on, on this publication. This is my hot hardware review. I'm like, just look up every other moto because I always link back to previous reviews for the software experience because sure. they're all sure. essentially an evolution, right? So mm-hmm. then it's like, well, what's left? Like all this cover screen stuff. So I went at length about that. And to me, the little widgets, like the panels, they call them, they're nice, but it's not really that. The me, to me, what it actually should have done is gone full circle. They should have given us a proper app tray, not like this kind of half-baked app tray that you can't sort, that yeah. you have to manually, um, you know, it's like basically it's like a home screen app tray. Where, Sorting you know, is coming, by the way. I talked oh, to good. Motorola about oh, that. Oh, good, good. Because <laughs> I suggested it to them uh, after playing with it in, in New York. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So what one of because one of my criticisms was if you add like a whole bunch of apps to that to that app launcher, but then you're like, oh, I can do this app too, and you like go back and add it later, it just kind of dumps it down at the bottom. Well, that's of my the point, list. right? So it's not so. really an app tray, even it's yeah. more like a it's more like a, a home a home screen that because you can rearrange the positions and everything. And mm-hmm. so I want I don't want that. I want the app tray. I want sorting. I want 
recent apps at the top like i really i think they kind of went halfway and i don't understand yeah. why why not give us yeah, an app tree like an app tree that we can create in terms of content but an app tree nonetheless well i mean I, I also think that you know motorola does a ton of user research when when they're when they're developing devices like this and i kind of wonder if maybe they just maybe they just got nervous at the last minute and said how many people are actually going to be using all these apps on the on the front maybe we shouldn't like integrate the whole thing i kind of wonder if maybe there was just a little bit of hesitancy to to fully integrate to fully embrace that philosophy which i mean is is you know it, it could very well have caused uh motorola to kind of like pull back the reins a little bit and like yeah let's not let's not put all of our money into this one basket you know <laughs> yeah. I, I still think motorola is going to be curating the the cover screen experience hardcore because i mean right now that's what motorola has going for it in the foldable space is this cover screen this is this is the best thing that they have going for them right now um so i think they're gonna have to be double doubling down on the software experience out here because you're right it's it's i would say it's like three quarters of the way there like it, i'd say it's even more than that like i think that the panels can stay the way they are. I don't really need a Spotify custom panel, honestly, because then yeah. you start going down that really weird road of like, well, what about YouTube, you know, music, music. users? What about yeah. Apple music users? What about, you know, title, title users? Exactly. Yeah. Those are the three that I would really consider. But right. here's the thing, right? And that's the thing is that when you, because it's essentially a second screen, like a, a proper full on experience. When you fire up YouTube Music, like I'm a YouTube Music user, you actually get a widget there. Like you, you, you're right. When when you when the f screen is locked, you actually get that lock screen widget, so you can actually mm -hmm. control it. So I don't see why they even have a Spotify widget because even if you don't have that that panel, as it were, you'd still be able to control Spotify from your front screen. So what what is the issue here? Why do they even bother? Like yeah. what does it add that it doesn't have before? I don't get it. Yeah, I mean it's. It was. I'm sure there was some type of negotiated partnership between Motorola and Spotify that, you know, Spotify wanted to get their stuff onto. You know, the. I, I'm sure there was a mutually beneficial a, a conversation that happened there. Um, you know, I, I'm a YouTube music user for when I actually do listen to music, but I mean, my main thing is podcasts, so I would love to have like a Pocket Cast widget or something like that. But if you fire up Pocket Cast right now, you, you get to see oh, the yeah. your thing in the front, right? So that's my point. It's like, this is something that Android has addressed system-wide. We don't need freaking panels and widgets for this stuff. Right, right. But, I mean, it's a way for, you know, Spotify to get its name oh, yeah, out yeah. there. No, it's the same way as they have, uh, what's the other integration they have? They have another one. I can't remember. Google Fit. Thank you. Well, no, yep. Fit is, is a Google thing, so it's kind of go baked into Android in a way. What right. I'm thinking more on, there was another complete third party. Oh, TikTok. Well, they have TikTok pre-installed, right? Um, there are two apps oh, that were pre-installed. Yeah. <laughs> when I always do a screenshot of the app tray after I initial setup, because okay. I know which apps I force install when I restore from a. I've got this basic backup I always restore all my review phones from. You mm -hmm. know, it's like a clean pixel. You know, like I I trust it. There's no no wonkiness there. I basically set up a phone from scratch, brand new, and it was a Pixel a few years ago. And I just installed like just a few things, set a few settings, and I said, back this up, and it becomes my universal restore for any phone to get started at. It's a starting point. That's and a so great I idea. Did that. I just dump everything and say, like God, I'll just here's everything. Let's just pray. Yeah, no, that's uh, yeah. So I did that, and yeah. so uh, I can see. 
after I do the full, you know, when the setup is complete, I can see, oh, these are the apps I put in because I remember. And then, mm-hmm. oh, look, there's two apps here that I didn't install, so they must have come bundled. So that's right. how I actually analyze how much the, the bloatware meter, as it were, on a right. device, right? Because that's meter. something I always write about in the software section because it drives me f-ing nuts, right? <laughs> so basically, if you look, TikTok's pre-installed, meaning they have the integration where you, when you flip the phone halfway, right? You yep. can, um, you know, like have that flex mode or flex view um, that they call. But also, if you have any app like Insta or TikTok or whatever that has the camera, has its own camera app baked in, right? Like, you know, how Instagram, you can fire up and do a video recording right inside of Instagram. I yeah. never do that, but I think not the majority of people do that. Like, I personally don't understand. I just shoot with the camera and then I import it into whatever app I want to import it yeah, because that exactly. way it's in my camera roll and I can use it on multiple things. But I think mm-hmm. a lot of people who are really intense, um, you know, social media, not influencer types who use different media or whatever, but I'm talking about the average Joe or Jane, are going to just, you know, hit record in the built-in camera. And for that, they've integrated in TikTok and I think in Insta, it's a button that lets you mirror the display in the front, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. So that's that's the integration I'm talking about. So, you know, there are a few integrations in here. But the only other thing that I found to be an issue with the cover display for me is also in the contacts area, right? Like the contacts is similar to the app tray in a way, to the app panel. The contact panel lets you dump a bunch of contacts on there. But like, it's nice because it lets you pick their phone number, whether it's a message or a call. So you have these right. icons of people you care about, like your, your, your favorites in the contacts app or the phone app on your phone. Normally it's your favorites there. Right. But the problem is the same thing. You can sort through them when you have like me, uh, my spouse has two numbers in two countries. So I and now have four icons for them alone because I have text to them <laughs> on one number, call them on one number, text on the other, call on the other. Like, I yep. think it should just be one contact, like Theo, and then it mm-hmm. should drill down in the contacts at that point and let me pick if I want a message or call. See what I'm saying? Like, So from what I understand, that is uh, Motorola. I talked to Motorola about that particular panel because like my nervousness was if I put my wife on that panel and the phone's in my pocket, I'm going to be pocket dialing her like all the time. Because oh, right. when you when you tap one of those contacts, it doesn't say, oh, do you oh, want to call right such away. and such? Yeah, it, just know, goes, yeah. it just goes boom. So from what I understand, Motorola said that they were using a widget, like a contacts widget, as kind of like the, the building block for building that particular panel and um it's a lot of that stuff is kind of out of their control they really wouldn't they didn't didn't have the ability to like give you the ability to sort through things or what whatnot so i think that was kind of a a workaround measure for motorola from what i understood yeah i mean i'm not upset about it i just think it's it takes up a lot of space that panel Mm -hmm. i mean the nice thing is you can remove the for people who are wondering. So the panels are essentially a carousel. I think, you know, on your Android phone, you have your home screen and to the left, you have Google, right? Most phones. To the right, you might have another panel with some apps, shortcuts and stuff you put in. Mm -hmm. Um, That's kind of the same idea here, right? But instead of like home screens, they're called panels. And the first one is essentially your your home panel and it has the time and the date and the weather. And then it has a row of little icons that, kind of shortcuts to go directly to whatever panel you want. And then you can swipe left and right to go between panels. The first panel by default to the right is your apps. It's like having an app tray, but instead of being scrolled from the bottom up, it's scrolled sideways to the left once and you get there, right? It's on the right screen. And that's basically the setup. So 
you know, then after that, you have the contacts. I mean, this is the default, right? And then you after that, I think there's a weather and then there's a calendar widget and there's yeah. essentially a widget. And the calendar, for example, same thing is not very useful, right? Like you can't like edit, tap on a contact. It doesn't open up the calendar app and bring you there, yeah, uh, et cetera, right? There's a bunch of little <laughs> things like that that I think could be optimized. But it's not about the panels to me. The panels, I don't actually wish it didn't exist. What I'm trying to say when I say I want a real app tray, why didn't they replicate the home screen on there? Swipe to the right and you get Google News, right? Like mm -hmm. Swipe to the left and you can create another panel and maybe put some widgets on these panels and you have your own panel set up as it were, right? Like yeah. It seems like, as you said, they're three quarters of the way there because they put like this kind of like, you know, Samsung Galaxy Z Flip-like, you know, or Oppo Finance to flip like, you know, widget interface there. And then they all oh, like, we give you an app tray and you can run any app. And then when you're actually running apps, right, you have a, you have a task manager. You can literally like kill apps. Like right. it's like a normal Android experience. Like I'm like, why didn't you just go full balls here? Well, I think uh, I, I want to say that it's probably an accessibility issue because um, the main audience for this particular phone isn't necessarily like people like you and me who's used to this kind of stuff. I think the 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 paradigm that's out there right now is if you have a cover screen, you have widgets and then you can operate within the scope of those widgets. Now, one of the widgets that they give you is an app launcher, which means you can launch any damn thing you want, which is great. But at the same time, I think think a lot of people are going to be like, oh, what can I do with this cover screen? And I think this is a real good introduction to that. And then like the nerds like you and me can go farther than that. But I, I would like to see, I, I, I like what you're saying is, is if they could just replicate the, your home screen on this cover screen so that you can have a widget and, you know, an app drawer and, you know, like you said, Google but, News but feed off so to the close. one side. Like if you swipe from the top, you get the quick settings. So yep. it's there. You When you have multiple apps running when you when you you know the there's a either you use the gesture pill or use the gesture buttons you whatever your preferences mm -hmm. you, you know you still have your multitasking you have uh like so much similarity but but then they they kind of gimp it i hate to use that word but it's the best thing that popped in my mind right now nerfed they, it they, they, <laughs> they make it they make it worse by not giving you a full app tray by not letting you run the settings app on the cover screen. Have you noticed that? Right. Yeah, I did notice um, that. That's By not really letting annoying. you run Google Photos <laughs> on the cover screen. You can't yeah. run Google Photos. But no, no, this is actually, I did, I drilled down into this a little more. You can run Google Photos on the cover screen, it turns out. Okay. Partially. Partially. You fire up the camera okay. and you preview a photo by tapping on, like, look at a photo you just took, right? Mm -hmm. You're in Google Photos. Okay. You'll see the all the buttons are there. The edit button is in. As soon as you hit edit, it says, cannot do that on the cover screen. Right. But if right. you try to fire up the Google Photos app, actually, if you try to put the Google Photos app in the app tray, you can't. It, right. It'll tell you it doesn't support. It's the only app I found that doesn't work, that it doesn't let you do. Have you run into any other apps you couldn't put in the app tray? Uh, that I couldn't put in the app tray? In the yes. Um, yeah. I've got, I have like 200 plus apps that I install on my phone and 167 of them appear in the app tray in the cover screen. So but there's probably like 30 right? apps or something that, that okay, are missing. Do you know any of the top of your head you think are pretty important, like Uber or Lyft or something? 
I couldn't find anything like super important, but I, I know that Google Assistant specifically doesn't work on the uh, on the cover screen. So a um, bunch of Google apps, basically. There are a lot of Google apps that actually don't that that don't make the transition over. I know Google Street View didn't, and I want to say there were at least a couple of others. But um, I asked Motorola about that, and they said that's actually an app developer uh, choice that the app developer can choose to have their app not appear on the cover screen because it's not properly optimized. But so interestingly, Calendar, Google Calendar specifically, mm -hmm. goes is you can put it in the app tray, in the app panel, and you can run it, mm -hmm. try that, and then your interface is borked. You can't, like the Chrome doesn't work, you don't get the hamburger menu. Uh, you can tap on an event and drill into yeah. it and edit it. Like it's kind of a half baked, and and that's another yeah. thing I pointed out. That's why my editor was like, "Well, all this negative stuff." And I mean, did you understand? This is me niggling at this point, right? Like yeah, I'm just you're, like, "You're picking nits." I the mean, fact which is fine. that you can run anything almost like out of your 100, 200 apps, you got one hundred and seventy up there, right? Like yeah. that is insane to me. Like it's awesome. I'm I only have like fifty apps on my phone, or less than that, on my review units. I don't put like my banking apps on there. I'm not like, no, like I review too many phones. I don't, if I switch to this as my main phone, I, I might, but it's mm -hmm. not going to happen in the first two weeks that I'm using the phone. Sorry. Fair enough. Um, but, but it, you know, it's unfair to my, to my listeners, I guess, because I'm not really reviewing if I'm not using my whatever, you know, bank of America app. But we all have our different standards. It's fine. It's just, you know, I'm these are not critical to me. Like they're like you can do this stuff. Some people don't ever don't even do banking on their phone simply because they're like, I don't think it's I think it's unsafe and they're gonna use right. the web, which I don't know if it's much safer, honestly. But that's Fair just enough. you know, whatever, right? <laughs> I, I use banking on my phone all the time for sure. Um, but here's the thing like this is a game changer that you can run these apps, that you yeah. have the quick settings, that you have the multitasking, that screen capture works everything it's just it's just mm -hmm. android like there is no bs here basically other than a few little niggles we just mentioned right yeah and and it's a game changer because when you're running on the front screen you have a screen that's literally half the size it's using half the power so right. your battery life it, it benefits it's right. also you can use it one hand you can reach every corner of the screen on a normal hand right yeah and you can do it you know, because it's a little thicker, it fits in your hand like a pebble, basically. Like, you mm. know, like a, something a little more, you know, what's the word? Like substantial than a regular phone. And as right. such, you, you're not going to drop it as easily. Um, and, and like, there are so many benefits to using. The, like, you also, there's still enough friction there for you to get really serious. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But a yeah. lot, you can get a lot more serious than you can get with widgets. Like you can reply to a text message. You can, mm -hmm. you know, fire up a telegram message to someone. You can, you know, do a quick little something that you need to do. You can sort through your email, like yeah. properly, like yeah. starring, like deleting, like archiving, like labeling, like the stuff that we, because we get so much email and a power user that's a business person would feel the same way it's oh, yeah. like that's what i'm saying like if you don't want any of this like we have some of our, the people we know right some of the journalists and creators we know they're like i don't get this what's the point of this this is why they make another razor that's coming guys mm -hmm. you're not the target audience if you don't get this but i know that right. you on this podcast get this because you <laughs> want the best of both worlds you want a folding phone that's compact and you want to be able to use it properly 
right. on the front cover. And that's kind of, I think, what, what makes it. The other thing that I really like is that you have an optimized camera interface in the camera app. So the camera app mm-hmm. on the big screen is a standard camera app from Moto. But as soon as you fire up the camera, double click on the power button or, you know, do the, 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 the wrist gesture that, that Moto gives you. As soon as you do that, you get a camera app that is optimized for the cover display. So you get yeah. uh, slightly different. I, I don't know if you can bring it up for a second here. Sure. For the, yeah, there you go. So yeah. as you can see here, you see there's a little button, a uh, blue button to select the uh, the mode, like photo, portrait, video, etc. And then yep. you on the on the right hand side here, you'll see there's a bunch of little things like you settings. You can change like your resolution, the timer, and all that. But it's very yeah. simple. And it's very easy to use. Um, mm-hmm. And if you want to take a photo, you just tap the screen, and if you or you use the volume rocker, um, yep. which is you know just really nice. And of course, you know when you're, <laughs> are you gonna do it? Yeah, yeah, we're gonna do a podcast. We're doing selfie a selfie right here on the Patreon, folks. Yeah. And then the other thing that's cool, I think, and this is nothing new because like the Z Flip does all this, right? Like, right. And the Oppo does all this too. It's like you can when you use the camera app with the phone open, you can you know mirror the display on the back mm-hmm. you have all these features so you can do a selfie with a main camera etc cetera, etc cetera. anyway so yeah. the point is that like they've thought about all the traditional flip experiences like all the camera the flex view as i mentioned before yeah. where you open yeah, yeah. it like an l shape and and the viewfinder gets to the one side of the screen on the big screen inside and then the controls on the bottom of the screen same with youtube youtube is the only other app i found by the way have you found any other apps that optimize for flex view no no because not at all. uh youtube <laughs> does, youtube does it where your video plays on one half of the screen when you're in l shape and uh you know like- etc I like shooting in camcorder mode, you know. Oh yeah, the, cam- uh, there's camcorder the, mode too. With the old, the old '90s. Uh, but you know, the the, the Z Flip does this too. It's basically flex. Sure. It's flex view, right? Yep. Um. Yep. So, so you know, all of this is a given, guys. So you're probably asking, okay, you've talked about the experience at length. We're 26 minutes into <laughs> this segment of the podcast, right? Tell, let's let's go through some of the 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 hardware things. Like basically, Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen One. Absolutely just fine. Like you, yeah. this phone is fast. Everything's slick and quick. And I've noticed no issues personally. Yeah. Um, no problem. Eight gigs of RAM, just fine. 256 gigs of storage. Yeah, it's all right. It could be better, but whatever. And no micro SD, you know that already. Stereo audio is incredible on this thing. The it sound, is. It really is For good. the size and the thickness and the general form factor, and you know how much they've jammed in there. There's no extra space. This thing sounds incredible to me. Like really, yeah. really good. So, you know, the other things I want to say are, I'm, I'm building up to the cameras, you get that. But I'm just yes. saying, like, overall, the hardware and, and the design, it, it, we talked about this with Narav, and uh, I think on the podcast initially after our hands-on, I don't know what it is about the Flip, but the fact that it doesn't fully close, and even the Oppo, the fact that it's slab-sided more like an iPhone, doesn't have the mm-hmm. rounded sides, this is so much easier to open because of its rounded sides. It really like, is. I don't know how to explain it. I'm not one of those people like a Michael Fisher who will open the phone by flipping it, but you can see here in the video, like the sides have a have these rounded edges and you can yeah. actually like, yeah, you can, so you can like l- force your thumb into there yeah, exactly. and like pop it open and then flip it and, open. Oh, and it's so premium, like the fit and finish, the materials, the build quality on this thing is like, I would say, I hate to compare it that way, but Apple always nails this. And mm-hmm. 
other manufacturers are hit and miss. Like OnePlus, some phones are great, some phones are meh. Uh, I mean, they're all good, but they're not like, there's definitely a range of consistency in the build quality from device to device, not not mm-hmm. on the same device, from new device to new device. Like you compare OnePlus 10 Pro to OnePlus 11, and it's yeah. like, you know, there's slight differences. And, you know, Moto has done that too, to be honest with you, on some other cheaper phones, right? But this mm-hmm. thing, they... They went all out. Where I feel like Samsung is not. It's good, but it's like, it's like ninety percent of what the Moto gives you in terms of like the premiumness of it, the refinement agree. of it. I would agree. And then if you're a stickler for this kind of stuff, this phone really nails that. Um, and then of course uh, you've got wireless charging. It's very slow. It's five watt. No reverse wireless charging. So keep that in mind. Thirty yeah. watt wire charging is okay. It's at least better than Samsung's 25 watt. It's obviously not Oppo's 44 watt, right? But right. here's the thing, battery life. You gave it points for battery life. I felt like I had to say that it was middling. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, okay. Well, first of all, uh, before we move on to battery life, because I think this actually ties directly into battery life. How much of the phone, how much of interacting with the phone would you say you did on the cover screen exclusively? Like uh, like a percentage, uh, like a percentage. Like, would you say, you use, I know Fisher said it was somewhere between like 10 and 15% that he was using on the cover screen. I thought which he was I thought using was, way more on the cover screen than the internal screen, actually. I thought that was really low when he when he. Yeah, me that. too. Like um, I would say that I spent um I would say I spent about half my time on the cover screen because I, I was honestly say, yeah. from, like, for, well also you know disclaimer first two weeks right so it's like right. the honeymoon phase number one number two you really want to try this out for the audience I'm writing a review here right right uh, number three um you know it's a novelty of and stuff Number four, I already know what the main screen experience is. It's just like having a Moto it's, Edge Plus, right? Android, like it's yeah, great, it's, it's fine. Yeah. It's no, but it's not just Android. It's Moto Android. It's the best. Android. Right. In my opinion, right. it's better than Pixel. You know, and don't get me wrong. There are features that Pixel has in, for example, mm-hmm. the phone app with all the call screening and stuff. Oh yeah. And and the hold for me stuff, all that stuff, I miss. But I'm talking about the actual pure Android experience. Sure. Moto nails it. Um, but. I think that's 50%. I mean, I did open the phone from time. Like, you're stupid if you You don't. Like, you have a phone, right? It's a full-on experience. You don't want to throw that out. So I know know when I was talking to Moto, I said I was going to tape my phone shut for a couple of days just to, like, (laughs) just to force myself to use the cover screen. Did you? And I dismissed that notion within the first few hours of like unboxing and setting the phone up because there's just there's a lot that you can't do you can do a lot with the cover screen i i was i was like you i'm probably conservatively about 50 percent. i want to say maybe a little bit more cover screen than open but yeah i'll say 50 percent just to be just to be fair i i wanted to tape this phone shut and just use it as with the cover screen and you just can't do it there's no, just without some access stuff to the you settings you're it. kind of screwed to be honest with you well that and you know you kind of need like a second like a second phone or another computer if you want to like get you know other stuff done like uh you know uh i'm trying to think of like specifically like i know there's a few games that i play that don't work well like because they're like word games and they're like shrink down to that teeny tiny size and you can't type properly so like stuff like that um right but but as as tying that into battery life i found that while forcing myself to use this at you know, w- closed fifty percent of the time. I was I never found myself unable to get through a day 
with on a single charge. And that included a four-day vacation in Western Illinois where there is no cell signal whatsoever. So, I mean, this phone was struggling to maintain a connection in where we were staying. And I still managed to get through um, an entire day. You know, I was down to... You know, a couple of days I was down to like five, 10 percent before I before I put it on the charger. So, you know, to be real, it's not it's not amazing battery life. I found it to be quite adequate, though. Yeah. So I feel like I agree with you 100 percent. Like battery life is very variable on this phone is what I want to say. It's Mm -hmm. like if you're using the big screen a lot. Yeah, you're going to be struggling a little bit, I think. But I agree with you. I was getting a day with mixed use and my mixed use I'm estimating was 50 percent. Um, a day, no problem. Two days, absolutely not. This is not a Moto Edge Plus, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Uh, battery life on right. that thing was crazy baller. But also, Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen 1 is very efficient, and these displays are OLED, and they're very efficient too. And yeah. the front panel is smaller, and so it's less to drive in pixels-wise, but also it's not LTPO. Whereas the inner panel, when you fire that up, yes, there's more pixels to deal with, but that thing can refresh at one hertz. So when you're like navigating just your text messages and you pause to read for a second, you're one hertz. You're not Mm -hmm. moving the interface. It's not doing anything. So, you know, it's really hard. Plus, Android doesn't keep track of how much screen time you spend on the external, the cover display. So for us to test it, we weren't (laughs) able to test it. Like when I run our benchmarks at Hot Hardware, which is PC Mark Work 3 for battery testing, I had to run it on the on the big screen it wouldn't run on the cover screen okay so my numbers but in a way that's good because my numbers compare well with a normal phone like an edge plus right so i can or pixel or samsung so i can actually look and go oh yeah okay so i was get i got like 11 hours and 44 minutes which is way better than the eight hours and a half or something i got from the z flip 3 for example because i never got the z flip 4 to review so i never got to benchmark it i can look up our database we have a database of hot hardware that all that stuff in it okay I remember from my own review, like eight and a half or something to 11 and a half. That is a huge improvement. Now, the Z Flip 3, we all knew was limited in terms of battery life. Snapdragon 888 back then, right? Yeah. Smaller battery even than his Razer. But I think that that is going to be really the decision you need to make. And the, and the next thing we're going to talk about, which is cameras, right? It's like, do I, like, am I a power user that all day long, like really needs that almost two-day battery life at regular use and one day at CES battery life. You know what I'm saying? If you're that person, this is not your phone. If that happens to you on a regular basis, this is probably not your phone. And then there's the cameras. And I want to preface this by saying that (laughs) hmm, it is better. It is better than I expected, but it is worse than the competition. Right. As I said in my review, if you read it, I said that, you know, The camera, if I compare them, the Galaxy Z Flip 4 is slightly better. The Oppo Find Find N2 Flip is significantly better. It lacks OIS, the Find N, but it has a Hasselblad tuning, it has a Mary Silicon X chipset for image processing. I, I think that it's still the best camera on a flip phone. But the Z Flip 4 is not that much better. You have to remember, if you're comparing this phone to a Galaxy S23, an iPhone 14, a Pixel 7, you're not comparing the right oranges to the right apples here or whatever right. it's called. Right. You need to compare this to a Z Flip 4. You need to compare this to 
you know, again, the Pixel, the 7a, obviously, or the 6a are going to be much better, right? But mm -hmm. those are outliers in their own categories. You have to compare this more like, what would a $500 phone do, right? And it's, I, might, I think it's better than that. And I oh, think yeah, the reason absolutely. it's better than that is because of the f-stop, f over 1.5, and the OIS, it only has a 12 megapixel sensor, and that's what hurts it for zooming. That's what hurts right. it, I think, in detail overall, because pixel binning is a real thing and lets you process subpixel and do all kinds of fun stuff. But overall, I think we, with the Edge Plus last, what, two weeks ago, a month ago, and this phone, I feel that clearly there's some image processing improvements in the pipeline at Moto. Like right. it's not quite at the level it should be at, but it's there. So what I'm saying to you is that the camera, I think, is so-so overall in the great scheme of flagships, but mm -hmm. it's perfectly fine for the intended audience and the purpose of this phone. I think so, too. I found the camera to be, uh, and I said in my review, it, it's the best camera that Moto has shipped on a flagship, but the bar was really low, and this phone doesn't do a lot to raise it. Mostly what I found was as long as the phone is not moving, like as long as you're not carrying the phone or like, you know, walking with the phone, something like that. If you have the phone set in like a stationary area and like the people are moving around it, that's probably okay. Um, if you are doing like landscapes, it's wonderful. You yeah. know, as long as there's no motion whatsoever. Um, when the lights, when the light in darker environments, People moving around can mess up the the photos. Not so much the video. The video actually compensated pretty well for it. My main my main concern was even during the day when I would hold the phone and walk, you could see my steps like jarring, like physically jarring the phone. Yeah, like, but that's that's because you're that's that was phones two years ago. Like you're right. comparing, like you're comparing a let's do a flagship, which doesn't do that anymore. But right, I know. Like I know. you know, my point is like this is not an easy thing to do. Like it's no, it's, it's not. You know, even an iPhone will if you don't have like I think maybe the 14 does it okay, but I think go back to a 12 or a 13, you're gonna see that same thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like you see, gonna see that on a OnePlus 11. Sure. Brand new modern Not phone. As much. So I see it more at in low light video. Oh, low light most, is terrible. Video, well, like yeah, low, but not, I don't not see photography, it, but video, right? Yeah, and I don't see it in daylight video on any phone except for this one. Okay. So, and it also gets better if there is a subject in the frame that you're following. Um, it because I think then the software processing is able to focus in on that subject and say, okay, this is what we're working on, rather than just abstract you know, things are going past the camera lens and we don't know, you know, what's all this stuff supposed to look at. I mean, basically what I said in my review was if I'm Motorola, I need, I'm putting every single dollar of R&D for the next two years into camera and camera processing because everything else, and we've already touched on this several times during this podcast, everything else with a Motorola phone, the software, the hardware, the build quality, it's all great. We yeah. just need to, we just need to put, so dump money into the cameras and get those up to speed with what other flagships are doing these days. And my God, Motorola would be just an 
a powerhouse and it makes me it makes me hurt so much because I want Motorola to be great. Motorola kind of like, you know, they're a hometown company for me, but they're also, you know, Motorola is also one of those mainstays, like one of the ones that you kind of always go back to like I really like using the <laughs> these phones and I just wish the cameras weren't so bad. They're basically like the cubs of the mobile world. <laughs> like, you know, you want them to be great and they just yeah. aren't. <laughs> But no, especially I think when it this comes is to better, cameras. though. Yeah. I, I feel like there's an improvement this year yes. with the Edge Plus and this phone specifically that actually bring it to a usable, like, I'm not wanting to throw the phone at the wall. This is making good photos for me for most 100% uses. 100% agree. 100% agree. So we're just being critical here compared to like the state of the art because this is a $1,000 phone. And, you know, even, uh, what is it, $350 right now, the Pixel 6a, I think you can get it for like, really yeah. cheap like you know it's gonna beat yeah. this thing right but <laughs> it's the only thing it's gonna beat this thing as the reality right mm -hmm. so just just keep mm -hmm. that in mind guys right like this is the thing this phone does so much more so um yeah i think as long as you keep that in mind i think this is fine and um i'm impressed with low light photography performance and i think a lot of that comes to physics f over yeah. 1.5 1.4 micron pixels on 12 megapixels with ys you can't yeah. Like the, the hardware is set up by, you know, default to be good. And then yeah. the image processing doesn't have to do too much work, right? Right. Now, night mode doesn't help a lot because mm -hmm. without night mode, I kind of feel this thing is a little in the weeds in terms of low light performance. It's too yeah. dark, right? Like, and then, you know, the other things I've noticed inconsistencies in white balance and exposure, uh, overexposure is a problem. The ultra wide is, eh. the ultra yeah. wide is also the macro. So it has autofocus, which is nice to have autofocus, but here's mm -hmm. my experience. And I keep saying this to a lot of manufacturers, especially companies that make phones with 50 megapixel, 48 megapixel or higher cameras. You don't need to have a macro at all. You do two X or three X punch in pull back and or pull in even up to a right. certain point you still focus fine and you get this natural creamy depth of feel using the main sensor you get really a high quality you know um, yep. macro i actually did a comparison if you look in my review look at the image gallery which has all the images i took and in it you'll find two pictures of a canadian loony the one dollar coin and okay. one was taken with the macro and the other one was taken at 2x with the main sensor and the 2x of the main sensor is a million times better even though mm. the macro is optimized for that kind of use. Even yeah. though this macro has autofocus because it's the ultra wide with autofocus. So like, I feel like they kind of miss the boat on a lot of little things like that where, you know, the only good piece of hardware in there in terms of uh, cameras is the main camera. A yeah. And then the image processing is improved enough that it actually makes it overall pretty good. The selfie, the, the front camera, when you open the phone, like the, the main uh, selfie camera is, it's a selfie camera. It's fine. You're better yeah. off just using that main 12 megapixel sensor, you know, closed and use the, uh, the cover screen to take a selfie, to be honest. Agree. Although Agree. the field of view is different. There is a lot more of that kind of like no pointy nose vibe to using the 12 megapixel than there is to use the uh the selfie inner camera the inner camera okay. is optimized for faces so it does a lot of lens distortion correction in software to make okay. you look less you know pointy nosy so that's one thing to keep in mind uh but overall look these are again we're niggling here like okay yes like, um all i'm saying is that um it's nice to see moto make progress 
Mm-hmm. And for the packaging of this phone, like how little space they had to make cameras work, I think they did the best they could. Um, you know, if it was Oppo or Samsung, uh, this year with the Z Flip 5, I expect cameras to be way better. Yes. Like the yes. Z Flip 4 just barely scraped along. Okay, guys? Like, <laughs> you know, we keep complaining about the cameras on Moto, but not every Samsung phone is, is baller with the cameras. The S right. series is one thing. But even the A-series are, uh, in my yeah. opinion. You and, know? And, and the Flip series as well. Yeah. Definitely left yeah. something to be desired. But I mean, again, you were, getting a, you were getting a phone that folded in half, so really didn't have much to complain about, to be honest. Right. Any final thoughts before we jump into the news here? So there's a couple of things that I can say. Uh, first of all, this is probably the most fun I've had reviewing a phone in a long time. Um, I, I very much enjoyed my time despite, and this is despite the fact that the cameras were just okay. I was actually okay with it, with the cameras not being more than just okay because of the rest of the experience. Right. So, yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. I feel the same way. I think they, they made a phone that is the best flip phone on the market until at least until next month, you know, and yeah. <laughs> at least and, until and, next but no, month. But look, you, you <laughs> got to think beyond that because the Samsung software is never going to be as good as Moto's. I believe right? you like are the correct. The hardware is pretty great. Now, spec wise, I think we know that Samsung's going to get an 8 Gen 2 in there. We know they're going to get better cameras, and there's yep. no doubt that those two things, if you want specs and camera quality, the Z Flip 5 is the one you want to wait for. But in terms right. of user experience, what you can do with the cover screen and the general software experience, I still think that if you're looking for a flip phone today, you should really seriously look at the Moto um, because it's going to be fine for another year, okay? Yeah, and in terms of the flip, I mean, the, in terms of the upcoming Flip 5, um, Samsung, the gauntlet has been thrown, so you really need to respond to this phone because if you don't, I think that Samsung is going to be unpleasantly surprised with what happens. And the results, honestly, are, you're going to speak for themselves because they won't have any time to change anything. That Z Flip 5 is being, you know, pretty much... St- dead in its tracks sure, of sure, final. Sure, it's done, yeah, yeah. You know, there's, but also Samsung has the advantage of the the the, 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 the retail channels and, and the you know, they're going to sell no matter what a lot more than this Moto, right? Right, And that's right. the thing that sucks for Moto, right? But I'm just saying for you, if right now, if you really want a flip phone, you try to decide the Z Flip 5's coming, this is coming, you know, if you are, you know, wanting to wait, that's the smart thing to do. But if you don't want to wait, the things that are definitely going to be better on the Samsung are going to be the camera and the specs. But mm-hmm. the things that are going to be better, even after the Samsung comes out, in my opinion, my gut feeling, is going to be the software experience and the software in general on the mobile. The user so experience, you, if, yeah. if that's what matters to you, you can get that phone now and call it yep. a day. And if you're a T-Mobile subscriber, get the magenta because it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you like that kind of color. All right, so let's jump into the rest of the stuff we have. Yeah. So let's talk quickly about the Pixel tablet i'm realizing we don't have a huge amount of time (laughs) what are your thoughts on this device i'm gonna link to the verge's review i'm picking the verge here not because of anything specific i often pick the links in my show notes based on the authors of the reviews but in this case i didn't find any reviews that was like yeah i want to pick this one over that one right so the verge is generally a pretty good reference dan seifert here in this case is uh is a friend of mine i trust him so what are your thoughts 
So uh, this is no hands-on experience, of course. Uh, my my boss at Slash Gear is a big Pixel fan, so he kind of snapped up all the pixels that were rolling out of uh, Google I.O. this year. So I'm a little <laughs> jealous, but it's okay. Um, no, for I think that, I think, I, I almost said Motorola. I think Google um, has a very interesting device here. And man, I, I really wish I could speak more intelligently about it because I love the concept. I love the idea of a tablet that becomes a smart home screen. And just because of so many tablets end up sitting on a shelf when they're not being used. And that just drives me nuts. I don't know if it drives you nuts, but it drives me nuts. I want to see <laughs> tablets that are useful for other things other than just being a tablet, because a tablet is such a small use case, at least in my workflow. Yeah. Um, so I love the idea that it turns into a smart home uh, thing. I'm surprised it took this long for Google to come up with it. Uh, the speakers on the docks sound great. The speakers on the tablet don't really. Um, there's some questionable battery life, but I also think that if this device is meant to live on a dock, it probably doesn't matter if, you know, about the battery life. But at the same time, if you're going to get a tablet, you probably want to get a tablet that you can travel with. So then battery life becomes a, uh, a bigger concern. Um, overall, I think it's a little bit overpriced for what it is, but at the same time, you know, I, 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 I like the idea of the device I just don't have practical hands-on experience to see how it works. From what I've seen from reviews and from what I've read, you know, videos and and written reviews, it seems like Google nailed a lot of it. But I also think that Google Assistant has become progressively worse and worse over the last yeah, couple of years, yeah, which yeah. is n not a great thing when you have a tablet that's trying to, you know, live on <laughs> Google Assistant. Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts here. I played with this tablet at Google I.O. I am not impressed. Okay. Okay. I don't think this is a product that matters. And and I'll tell you why. Because the OnePlus pad exists. And Wow. Look, roughly the same price, you're you're actually getting a f like it's not a specialized device. I feel like they created this to solve a problem that I don't think really exists. Right? Like it's it's like this problem of like you need a tablet in your home and it can might as well be your Google home or Nest home or whatever, right? That's kind of right. what they went with. That's the premise. Yeah. It's not a bad premise. I'm not saying it's a bad idea, but this mm -hmm. is only a good idea if this thing costs $200 and it's like a fire tablet. Right. This right. has a tensor in it, which is way better than a fire tablet, but it's also a sucky flagship processor. Sorry, guys. Okay. <laughs> sorry, not so sorry. So it's going to affect battery life, which <laughs> clearly it does. You know, it's got... No keyboard and pen accessory. How do you make a tablet without that these days? I'm sorry. To me, a tablet is, is an utterly mobile device. Yes, yeah. it lives in your house a lot, but the reason cheap tablets like the Fire exist, like these other devices exist, is because, you know, you are using them. They're Netflix as interfaces boxes. to your, exactly. You use them as the interface to your, to your, uh, you know, your streaming your, apps to your world, like to your home automation world. So yeah. to me, it's like, what were they thinking? Like this is at this price point should have a keyboard and, and pen accessory. Now I hear there's rumors it's coming, but it's too late now. Like right. you define what this product is and for the, what it does, what it's supposed to do in the home tablet that watches Netflix and lets you use home automation that docks, the dock concept is great. And it comes with it, which is also great. 
for this concept, it should be $299 or $259. This should not Agreed. be. And, and I think I played with it. It doesn't feel that premium. You know, it, Google Android experience on Google tablets is crap. It's still crap. It's going to continue right. to be crap. And at least OnePlus tries to alleviate that crap with something interesting. Yeah. And I, I just don't like, I'm just saying you have a pile of money in one hand and you want a tablet in the other hand and it has to be an Android tablet. Go to OnePlus Pad. Absolutely. This yeah. does the same freaking thing way better. I would say so. Uh, unless you're looking to, uh, you know, replace your Lenovo, <laughs> your Lenovo smart screen, which I still have up in my kitchen. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So I need to I need to pick up something to replace that. Probably just get a new Google Home or something. But uh, yeah, I just I I like what Google's trying to do. I just think that the execution was flawed, like so many of Google's projects. And honestly, this product doesn't feel that nice and premium. Like the Pixel phones feel really good. Mm-hmm. And they, they're, they're, they've competitive. This thing looks like just a p- cheap piece of plastic. It's not because it's like a polycarbonate over a metal frame or something. It's really it, actually it's aluminum quite back, well isn't done. It? I don't think so. Oh, really? It's, I it swear feels, I read that it, somewhere. It, it is aluminum covered in plastic. Kind of like, remember back in the day when the Pixel 4 came out? Oh, okay. Five. It was the five. The five. Yeah, remember the, the five? five? I remember the five very well. It's that well. exact same. This has the design language of the Pixel 5. It feels okay. like they started working on this back then. They probably and did. And finally, like, <laughs> you know, popped it out of their freaking butt, like, at I.O. just now. Yeah. And didn't really think much about it when they did it. You know what I'm saying? It just doesn't feel like a thought-out product. I don't... I don't get this. Like I mm. played with it. If it had been luxurious and nice, I would have been like, okay, great. And if it come uh, with, like, if the marketing was focused on this home tablet, home tablet, home tablet. And I said, but we also have a keyboard and pen because, Hey, you know, it's a tablet, it's a computer. You can use it on the go because it's yeah. a mobile device. I would have said, okay, great. You thought of it, but you're really marketing it as a home thing. I got it. I got it. I get right. what you're doing. But in this case, it's so specialized. No, just no. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I I agree. There there seems to be a lack of uh, a lack of follow through with this. Like it, it's like a it's, lot of things at Google. To be honest, <clears throat> it seems like they just figured they'd stick a Google sticker on the back of it and it'll sell because of course it will because it's Google because we have all the money. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Google, I just want to point out that I finally have one of these. Oh, hey. The Pixel 7a has landed. Thank you to the T-Mobile folks for hooking me up. I appreciate it. Uh, Look, it's about time that I had one because, uh, well, you know, (laughs) Google's not sending us anything. So, geez. Anyway, so, you know, stay tuned for my thoughts on that, finally using this phone. Um, And then, of course, the who knows when the Google Pixel Fold is coming? I haven't heard anything. I know some people have them, but I, you know, whatever. We'll see what happens yeah, on that. Yeah. I'd love to get my hands on one. I have requested it. Let's see what happens. I have very low hopes, and I'm not spending that kind of money, folks. I'm sorry. Yes and yes. Right? <laughs> agree and agree. All right. So other news this week that are interesting. Uh, I picked a few things. Yeah. OnePlus V folding phone renders leak. Oh, that looks so, nice. Uh, this is the first time. It looks a little bigger than yeah. the the Oppo Find N series. You know, so I've been going by the assumption, and this is before I want to preface this. <laughs> I'm going by the assumption that OnePlus is going to make an Oppo Find N three 
you know, their own variation on that, right? Yeah, I was and kind of so working under kind of that assumption that, as well. And so that's kind of that little compact form factor, you know, that small book style fold factor. Yeah. But this from the renders look like it might be a slightly bigger thing, more like in line with, with the fold. you know, the pixel fold or the, the just Z the fold. Z fold, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm disappointed about yeah. that too because I was really hoping for that OnePlus would go the squat method uh, just because I kind of... I, having never used it, having had no on, hands-on time with it, I I find that the the uh, I should I should mention I do have Z Fold experience, but I don't right. have Find N experience. Um, but I find the Z Fold to be a little bit too narrow, and so I would like a more spread out feel to it. And I was kind of hoping that OnePlus would bring that, and it looks. I mean, based on these renders, it it this feels more Z fold like rather than yeah, exactly. Oppo find that, unfortunately. So I'm still holding out hope because this is just a rumor. <laughs> so yeah, I'm so holding this is out just hope. a rumor, like but, a leaked yeah. render. I think it's true. I, I think it's definitely CG, I think but so it's too. Yeah. I think it's not like I think this came from the source because it's on leaks. That's why. Right. right. Yeah, it's very so, credible. Um, I like the look of the back. I like though. the look of the camera pod. I like yeah. the, let let's talk about that real quick. 50 megapixel main sensor IMX 890. That's a good sensor. That's mm-hmm. I think the same sensor that's in the uh OnePlus 11 5G. Sounds you right. We have a periscope uh, telephoto of some kind which yes. we don't have on the 11. Yes. So that's awesome. You know, 32 megapixel inside uh, or the cover display has uh, on the front. Mm-hmm. Uh, LTPO AMOLED, uh, 120 hertz refresh. That's all the cover screen stuff. Uh, up to 100 watt charging. Wow. And then yes. um, 4,800 milliamp hour battery. Ooh, that's okay. But yep. for a big screen like that, it might be a little challenging. Although I'm sure it's Snapdragon. Oh, 8 Plus Gen 2? Really? I don't think Qualcomm's going to come out with an 8 Plus Gen 2. You don't think so? Nah. I mean, if they do, it has to come soon because, like, my gut was that the Z Flip 5 and Z Fold 5 would be 8 Plus Gen 2. But mm-hmm. when I had Narav on last week, he's like, no, I, I, I have heard rumors that they're not making an 8 Plus Gen 2. Interesting. So, okay. Um, knows what's gonna happen there like hold, yeah. hold tight on that but even if it you know even it's 8 gen 2 it'll just be fine to be honest with you so right yeah look this looks hot i i'm in i'm really trying to figure out what i'm gonna do next because at this point i think i should go folding phone uh mm. like book style potentially so of course the pixel fold was up there for me but then i used it and it's great I like it. I like what I saw a lot. The cameras were solid, but it's tensor, and I'm so sick of tensor. Like the yeah. freaking radio performance, the freaking battery life, all of that. So I'm thinking I should hold off till Pixel 8 Pro because it's going to have a new tensor in mm-hmm. there that I think will be better. But at the same time, I want a folding phone. So if Google's not going to send me a Pixel Fold, because I'm not buying these phones, guys, this is just not happening, I'm pretty sure OnePlus is going to send me the folding phone. Yeah. So unless this thing lacks wireless charging, which I absolutely want, this might just be my next phone, folks. I can see it. Yeah, there's there's a strong possibility there. What, I, what I'm really excited about is the idea of the, uh, of the periscope lens, because... You know, one thing that folded phones typically have not had, it has been really great telephoto, and I'm a telephoto fan. Me too. So I'm I'm really looking forward to that. And not to mention, OnePlus has gotten really good at cameras over the last couple of years. Like, OnePlus yeah. is 
bad up until like probably the like the one plus nine. Well, it's because they've inherited all the Oppo stuff, right? And well, Oppo right. has a really good imaging pipeline. So right, and so I'm really excited. At, like this could be a really good book style foldable with great cameras, and that is very exciting to me. And I know that. As far as I know, Slash Year is going to tap me to uh, review this. So uh, that's that's my understanding at this point. Yeah, po- at I'm this definitely point, so. reviewing this for hot hardware. So stay yeah. tuned, folks. I'm excited about this one. It's just mm-hmm. a lender. It's just a leak. We don't even know if it's real, but I right. feel like it is. The last thing that's interesting, and this is, I'm just going to mention this because we have to wrap up, is interesting little bit of news. Qualcomm actually reached out to me about this. Uh, Sony okay. did not, but Qualcomm did and said, hey, we are going to be partnering with Sony for a tighter collaboration on their phones, basically. Great. And so the the reason I put this in is because I'm a huge fan of the Sony Xperia phones. Mm-hmm. Like as a photographer, for me, they you know they really do it. A lot of people I think shouldn't buy these simply because they still don't have enough mash the button and get good photos. Me included. Going on, right? <laughs> me included. <laughs> but 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 that's fair. But I think if you are have the money and you want a no compromise flagship and are willing to play with the camera a bit, this is a very rewarding experience. However, sure. the big question mark was like HTC, like LG, who who bowed out of the phone business, although HTC is coming back a little bit now, the, the U23 Pro or whatever that was recently. Eh. The point is that they're not in the game really. The question right. was always, is Sony going to bow next? Because this can't be profitable. They make only really one great phone and it's really expensive. And they right. can't possibly be selling the, many of them because they're niche. And I've always said, and this is what I think LG should have done too. I've always said Sony can support itself from selling televisions and whatever else and completely yeah. keep the mobile business going even at a loss. Oh, LG totally. chose not to do that, which considering they make more money than Sony on TVs and fridges and vacuum cleaners and freaking washer dryers, I cannot believe that they didn't keep their mobile business at a loss for a while. Right, right. Until they could figure out another pivot on their marketing yet again, right? But Sony's hanging on because this partnership looks like a multi-year thing. Yeah. So I'm excited about it, basically. So that means we're going to get more years of Sony phones, which is good for everybody, I think. And more importantly, maybe there will be finally an Xperia one series like the top of the line that has a mash mode on the camera that is actually good that we actually are going to get an experience out of that that is awesome you know we can hope <laughs> on that note i want to wrap it up and yeah. i want to let you tell the world where they can find you on the internet um so like normally i would say you could find me on twitter and you can still find my profile there it still exists uh but it's at dead technology but i'm also at dead technology on blue sky and t2 i'm trying to i'm trying out both of them to see which one's gonna stick um and instagram i've been doing a little bit more of that recently a a few tiktoks here or there that's benefit of the doubt though um but yeah so my biggest online presence at the moment is the benefit of the doubt podcast which i host with my uh podcast partner cliff thomas and that's on youtube at benefit of the doubt or your favorite podcast player that's benefit of the doubt d-o-u-d just like my last name so come visit me at any of those social platforms forums except for twitter because i won't bother to get back to you but uh, and you can find my writing on slash gear and uh coming up probably later this month uh you can find me on forbes as well 
Oh, great news. Awesome. Yeah. And folks, you know where to find me on the internet. I'm at Tankerl. That's T-N-K-G-R-L. So I'm still on Twitter. That's also my handle on Instagram and my handle on Blue Sky. Uh, so, you know, look me up there. And uh, if you want to discuss this podcast, a lot of you probably are not on Blue Sky, but since me and Adam <laughs> on Blue Sky, that would be good. Or Instagram, right? As you know, the Instagram for me is mostly about pictures. That's how it started. I know there's a lot of reels now there, but I'm I'm a picture person. So, yeah, me too. Uh, pictures of phones, pictures of cars, pictures of food, pictures of travel, all taken with phones. Check out Instagram for that. Uh, you know the podcast lives at mobiletechpodcast.com or on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, everywhere good podcasts can be found. So please subscribe, tell your friends, all that good stuff. YouTube.com slash mobiletechpodcast is where uh, you'll find some video compliments to this podcast that are separate from the video edition they get on Patreon. So on YouTube, you have some unboxings and some hands-ons and some of the other little bits and pieces. So you know how YouTube works. Like, subscribe, tell your friends, click the bell below, all that good stuff. Comment, comment below, comment about the podcast, comment, and Adam can read the comments too, and we'll be able to talk to you that way if you're not on Blue Sky. Finally... <laughs> Patreon. Patreon is where it's at if you want to help me out financially. And there are some perks there. One of them I mentioned a few times is the video version of the podcast. You can get the podcast a day or two in advance on video. We get to see us brandish the phones, brandish the phones. That's the best part, right? So, you know, consider this patreon.com slash tankrl, patreon.com slash tnkgrl. There's other perks in there. I'll check it out. There is a discord server and a bunch of other stuff. So if you want to help me, that's the way to go. Also, there is a link in the show notes to a PayPal button. You can PayPal me five bucks to buy me a coffee. You know I like my coffee. So there we go. Uh, that's another thing you can do. And of course, I want to thank our sponsor, NTT. NTT is a global technology and business solutions company providing services to clients worldwide, including more than 75% of the Fortune Global 100 and 85 million mobile subscribers in Japan. With a rich history of innovation, NTT continues to push the boundaries of the communication and computing technologies to create greater human connections. These innovations advance technologies across artificial intelligence, photonic networks, digital twin computing, quantum computing, renewable energy sources, cryptography, open RAN, Web3, and immersive XR technologies. NTT's innovative optical and wireless network. ION is an initiative that aims to build the next generation infrastructure for communications and computing using photonics and optical technology. ION technologies will provide higher capacity, lower power usage, and extremely low latency, enabling and accelerating future innovations. And I want to thank you, Adam, for being my guest. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you for letting me come on your show and screw with you just a little <laughs> bit. And don't forget... Go buy some gaffer's tape. It will change your life. <laughs> there you go. That's the best advice. Always have some gaffer's tape with you everywhere. Mm -hmm. That is actually true. So thanks again, Adam. And of course, we'll have you on the show again at some point in the future. And folks, you know, we'll have another podcast next week. So stay tuned for that. Until then, cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.